I'm going to start the sermon different, so don't think I've forgotten, but I'm going to start different than I always start, okay? In Luke's gospel, Jesus sees that he is the one who is presented as the challenger, meaning Jesus throughout Luke's gospel is pushed to show people a new way. And he's trying to help them see this new way of being. And so he challenges us. So if you were today to open your Bible and you were to look at Luke's gospel, you would hear scripture that challenges you. One of them was of a man who wanted to stay and care for his father who had passed away and be there for the burial. And Jesus says the very challenging words, let the dead bury the dead. And later, as people want to follow Jesus, Jesus says to them, the investment to follow me is a great investment. It's a risky investment, and it will cost you dearly. And so throughout Luke's gospel, we hear of Jesus, this man who challenges the people to live in a completely different way. And so, If you were there, and one of Jesus' earliest followers, what would you say to Jesus at this point, in the midst of all this challenge? Well, let's hear our text today for the answer. This is Luke 17, 5 and 6. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, with all this challenge going on, the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. In other words, this belief stuff is hard, and we need help. I think we can totally relate. Welcome to worship. I'm Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor here. And whether you're joining us here in person or you are online with us, we are glad you are here today. We are in our series called Believe, and we are looking at these 30 days of increasing our own faith and belief. And so if you're just hearing about this, don't worry, you can start today You'll find all the resources on our church website, also on our app, and if you're very old school, we have a little booklet that we've printed out for you to take as well. So whatever way works for you, we have got you covered. Now what we're doing during this time is we're inviting people to take their faith to the next level, to work on their faith by being in worship, reading scripture, reflecting on scripture, and then taking action, living out their faith in some way. And so I want to start off today with a a story about belief, a story that um, is one of those stories I have that just continues to be one of those things I think about. You got those stories in your life, those stories you think back on, and they just continue to help you. So this is something that happened about 10 years ago. I was at the time the pastor at Redondo Beach First United Methodist Church, 
which is certainly the church in our annual conference that's all about location, location, location. It is just up the pier. It is one block off the beach. Now, I was just there for six months because the pastor who was there was ill. And so I stepped in to um, help out in the midst of his being sick. Now, at that time, the church had three worship services. The first one was the 8.30 a.m. worship service. It was a small service. It wasn't in the sanctuary. It was in the fireside room. Have you ever been to a church that has the fireside room, right? Or if you don't have a fireplace, you call it the parlor. Okay. So that's where that service was. It was always small, 25, 30 people, but it was a good representation of the church. Um, there were some older people there. People had been there forever, loved that church, grew that church, had raised their families in that church. And then there were people who were newer, younger families who attended that service because they were on their way to soccer or they were on their way to baseball with the kids. And then there were a bunch of families that were brand new to the country and they were living in that community. We also had several homeless people who attended that service. It was a wonderful service, lots of connection with people, lots of conversation, and just a wonderful place. Now, one of the reasons this service was different than all the other services was after the sermon, we would have a time called, like, I don't know, talk back or reflection or something like this. And that meant that I would say, okay, you've heard my sermon, what do you think? Which can sound really scary, right? Like, what are they going to say? But it turns out that people would share the most wonderful things. They would share about how that scripture affected them. They would share about what it meant, the words that I had said, or they maybe they had a good illustration of what we were talking about, and they would share it. There was one woman... Her name is Helen. She's in her late 80s. And one day she shared the story about how when she was 12 years old, she went to church for the very first time. She had never been to church before. Her friend took her. And when she was there and she kept going with her friend over the weeks, she shared with us that the people she met that Sunday and in the upcoming Sunday she was at were people who were very different than the people she normally hung, hung out with. Now, the people in church, they, they were forgiving, and they were loving, and they were generous, and that they asked her about herself, and they connected with her, and that they were just wonderful, loving people. And as she shared about this in the sermon talkback time, her eyes just filled up with tears as she remembered the sweetness of that season in her life. And then she said, I saw that what they believed caused them to live in a very different way. And at 12 years old, I wanted that kind of life. I wanted to believe so that I could have this generous and loving and forgiving life. And she had. I knew her later in her life, and she was loving and generous and forgiving. And as I think back on that day, I remember she said something like, I saw 
that these were the best kinds of beliefs to have because they led to the best kind of life. What you and I believe matters. It affects everything in our lives. What we believe about God matters. What we believe about what is possible in our life because of God's love matters. It can have a profound effect on everything what we believe. That day, as Helen was sharing, I could see that over these 70-plus years, she had really lived into her faith because she wanted to believe so that she could have this best life. And so today, what I want to talk about with you is how we come to our beliefs. Why do we believe what we believe? And why it matters that we understand where our beliefs originate from. So, as we start, I want you to think about in your own life. How did you come to hold the beliefs that you have? Where did you get your beliefs about God, about life, about what you believe about yourself? Now, some people would say that they're not just beliefs, they're truth, they're fact. And there are certainly some beliefs that are true and are facts, like we can believe that the sun is going to rise and that gravity is a real thing. They are beliefs and they are also facts. But most of our beliefs in this life are really opinions. And that's good news, because what that means is a lot of our beliefs can be questioned and changed. A lot of our beliefs can grow and develop. When I was growing up, my dad had uh, the tendency to tell us stories as a way to teach us things. And my dad would tell us the same stories over and over again until we got the point, okay? So here is one of my dad's stories. He told me, there were two men, and my dad was from Becky, so it's the Becky story. Two men, and they would go on the train every morning to work. And before they got on the train, they would stop, and they would get a coffee and a newspaper. This is before people read on their tablets or cell phones. Okay. And the man who, read the new, who led the newsstand, who owned the newsstand, always spoke very harshly to them. He was rude. He acted like it was a big problem that they came there every day and got that paper and coffee. One morning, one man said to the other, I hate going to that stand. We should find another place to go. I hate going there because it puts me in a bad mood all day. The second man said, why do you let his mood affect you? His mood has nothing to do with you. The first man never considered that. He was used to, however someone treated you, that that had an effect on you. 
That was just how it was. But the second man had a very different notion. He shared his belief that that man could be however he was, but that his friend could be free from that man's mood. I think my dad told the story so many times because I would come home from school with stories about all the things that happened and why I was in a bad mood. And he wanted me to know that my bad mood was actually, at some point, a choice. And my dad was trying to teach me that I could have a new belief, that I could have a better belief. So, where do our beliefs come from? Interestingly, they do not come from just one place. So let's look at three of the biggest places that generate our beliefs in this life. First, our beliefs come from fear. We believe things out of fear. It happens because we have a belief about God or about faith or about people that's not rooted in love but rooted in fear. So probably the biggest one would be You have to believe a certain way or you go to hell, right? That's probably the classic belief grounded in complete fear, that one. Or it may be that you have a belief that a certain group of people are untrustworthy and that you should not put your faith in them. They're to be feared. Now, we all have these beliefs. All of us have Some, maybe a lot, beliefs that came out of fear. Some of it might have been fear that made sense in a moment in our lives, but we've held on to it. To hold on to beliefs that are grounded in fear, though, does not make sense for us for the long term. Beliefs rooted in fear diminish us, hold us back, make us So we don't live life to its fullest. Now, of course, it's human nature. There are going to be times. And sometimes people will use fear as a great motivator. We'll behave because we're afraid of what will happen. So as we start and we look at this first one, I want you to ask yourself, do I have some beliefs that I hold that I hold Not because they're grounded in love or because I've thought about them, but because they're grounded in fear. And maybe you want to just ask yourself today, are these things I still want to believe? Second, we believe because an authority figure said so. Now, the first one, fear, there's really no good reason to believe things out of fear. That's not helpful to us. This one's different, though. Authority figures may have taught us and trained us and enabled us to see things. And there can be lots of wonderful people in our lives who have been authorities who have given us our beliefs. For example, when you were little, someone may have told you that you were very smart, maybe a parent or a teacher, And you believed it. You internalized it. Now, of course, it can be just the opposite too, right? Someone could say negative things to you that you may have 
interpreted as truth because it was from an authority and you internalized it. There are lots of authority figures in our lives. Oftentimes at the beginning, they're from our family, but authorities can also be like a pastor, right? From our childhood, if we grew up in the church, we may have had a pastor that we specifically think of as an authority in our lives. Teachers are often authorities. They teach us things that we are invited to believe. Also, friends can be an authority. The Bible, of course, for people of faith is viewed as an authority. And I will say that as someone who did not grow up in the United Methodist Church, one of the things I appreciate is that we're invited as United Methodist Christians to think about sources of authority in a variety of ways. And so the first way we often think of a source of authority or a place where we find authority is Scripture. As I mentioned, the church sees Scripture as our guide, as something that leads us and helps us. Scripture is one of our authorities as people of faith, and we're invited to take it seriously. We're invited to, to struggle with a text, to try and understand it, even when it appears difficult to understand. Scripture is for us a primary authority, but it is not the only authority for us as United Methodists. Second is tradition. Tradition is another source of authority. Knowing the history of what people have always done can be really helpful to us. It can give meaning and purpose to our lives. You know, you may have traditions about how your family celebrated Christmas and now how you celebrate Christmas, right? Those traditions give, have an authority in our life. So tradition and scripture are sources of authority, but they're not the only ones. The next one is experience. In the United Methodist Church, we understand that experience, what you and I experience in our lives, also can be a source of authority. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But this is important too. So what you bring to your faith, who you are, and what you've experienced matters. So experience, tradition, and scripture are sources of authority in our life. One more, reason. We understand that reason is a source of authority for us because we have brains, we have minds, we think, we reflect. And this is important that we would bring all of ourselves to this as we think about sources of authority. Now, when I name these four, if they sound familiar to you, it may be because you were confirmed in the United Methodist Church, because this is what is called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. That's your $50 word for today, right? The Wesleyan quadrilateral means that there are these sources of authority and more that we use to help us learn what we might believe. Now, this is important and helpful. And as I said, while sources of authority like this are helpful to us, ones rooted in fear are not helpful to us, I think sources of authority like this open the door, but they're not at the end of the day all that there is for us. So I want you to think about who are the sources of authority in your life over these years? Parents and teachers Scripture, experience. And while our beliefs 
are rooted in authority, those authorities change and grow throughout our lives. So what's the third source of authority? The third source of, well, belief. The third source of belief. We believe because of our own personal connection. Now, here's the difference here. A lot of times, authority is located outside of us, right? It's people or things that tell us what we need to think and believe. This is about our own internal personal connection, our personal connection with God, how we've experienced ourselves God's love, how we've experienced ourselves God's mercy and forgiveness, those experiences. And a lot of us, we don't get there, right? We think the authorities are enough. They're a good start, but we want those authorities to then help us move, not from looking externally for what people say, but from having that owned faith, that faith that lives in our own life and in our own heart. We need internal connections. So what internal connections do you have? What internal personal beliefs do you hold? Let's look at an example to see how this looks in real life. So let's look at the normal practice of Bible study. So if you're coming to it out of fear, you might say, I must read the Bible daily in order not to go to hell, right? That's pretty clear that that's out of fear. I don't think I could have written that any more fearfully, right? Okay, then the second one, if we talk about that we're looking at authority, we might say, I read the Bible because it's God's word to his people, right? I've been told this is why I would want to read it, because this is God's word, and I want to read that. But if we're looking at our own internal conviction, our own connection to God, we might say this third one, I read the Bible because I connect to God and I find guidance to live in the light of his love. So that's why I read the Bible. Now, the second one, there's nothing wrong with reading that because you've been told that, but this takes it even to that deeper level where you're looking at what it means for you. So you see the difference there, especially between the first one and the last one? It's a pretty big jump. That's why we want to invite you to think about your beliefs and where they come from, what motivates them. Now, why does this matter? It matters because when we look at these categories and when we think about where our beliefs originate from, we may have a better understanding about what we need to process in order to change our belief, in order to find a belief that is going to serve us and enable us to live more firmly in the light of God's love. Last week, I shared that we all hold beliefs that we may need to change. And we may need to change them because we've all inherited beliefs along the way that may be stopping us from living in the light of God's love. We talked about Timothy last week, and we talked about how Timothy was someone who believed that his age was more important than how he lived and that he had to change that belief to really be effective. 
And I shared even from my own life about how I had to change and process kind of how the culture felt about women in ministry and look at what I needed to believe to give the gifts that God had given me to share. So today I wonder, what beliefs hold you back? What beliefs do you hold that hold you back? Can you go back one slide for me? I want you to think about that for a minute. Where is it in your life that you see yourself falling short? And you have these certain beliefs about what that means about you. It's really only rooted in a belief, not in the truth. What beliefs did you get from others that no longer serve you? And in fact, they diminish you. And they stop you from living in the light of what God wants to do in you, in your life, through how you live. Some of the beliefs that are common, that hold us back, are beliefs about God. Some of us believe that God is angry and judgmental and wrathful, and that fear is the foundation of God's relationship with us instead of love. If you hold that belief today, It is time to let that belief go. For some of us, it will be beliefs that we have about other people. And we have built walls between us and them because of our judgments about them. If you hold some of those beliefs today, it may be time for you to let them go. For some of us, it will be beliefs we have about ourselves. And instead of affirming who we are now in Jesus Christ, that we still think of ourselves as not enough and not beloved of God and too flawed. If you believe these things, it is time to let them go. So are you ready to do that? Are you ready to change some of these things that hold you back? Next week we're going to finish up and we're going to talk more about some very specific things about how we can live into some new beliefs. But this week what I'd love to do is invite you to think about, so now that slide, what beliefs do you hold out of fear? What beliefs do you hold because an authority figure told you to? What beliefs do you hold because of a personal connection or conviction? Not to make anybody wrong or to make anybody right, but just to be aware of what our beliefs are. Because the work that we are doing in this series around beliefs is important It matters what you believe. For Jesus came to show us and to invite us to a bigger and fuller life than we would ever create on our own. And what he calls us to do is to believe. Let us pray. Loving and holy God, too often we believe things out of fear. We have things from our past that were once told to us about 
you, about other people, maybe even about ourselves. And today we want to let go of those things that are about fear. And then we believe a whole bunch of stuff because an authority told us. Some authority figures who told us things had good hearts and told us things that have made our lives rich and wonderful. But there have been other places where that authority figure was operating out of their own insecurity or their own fear, and they may be things we need to let go. And so today, we desire to live in your light. We desire to live in the way that Jesus brought us in his life, in his death, and his resurrection. So show us this week what beliefs we may need to let go of in order to live as you desire. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.